pages. If you can't stop purring, you're gonna have to go out. You're too loud. Hi. Hello. How are you? Welcome back, my weird friends. This is part two of a Creepy White Van, The Case of Kenya Monhe. If you've not heard part one, jump back one episode so you can catch up or don't. Do what you want. Just a brief refresh of last week's episode, we left off where Travis Forbes led investigators to the burial site of Kenya. The investigator stood right over her. She was just five feet underground. Teams responded to the scene and recovered Kenyamanhe's remains. She was recovered September 7, 2011. The autopsy took place September 8, the following day. A panel of expanded liver tissue was tested. Tissue ethanol was confirmed. 122 milligrams of 100 grams tested. Tissue isopropanol levels were 7.9 milligrams out of 100 grams tested. Tissue delta 9 carboxy THC was 710 nanograms. A nanogram is equal to one billionth of a gram. These findings are insignificant to the cause of death. These just validate there was alcohol and marijuana in Kenya's system at the time of death. The cause of death remained undetermined after the complete autopsy was performed. The circumstances, however, and findings of her remains strongly suggested homicide. The cause of death remained undetermined. They were unable to find nor certainly say what exactly killed Kenya. However, the manner of death was ruled a homicide. Kenya was positively identified using fingerprint comparison. She was received by body bag to the medical examiner with no clothing nor any personal items, meaning this is how she was buried and recovered. What I found interesting in the autopsy report, and this could just be due to the amount of time in between the time of death and the autopsy, there were no signs of hemorrhage or trauma to her vaginal or anal canal. I could not find any findings of Travis Forbes' DNA or sperm recovered. Again, this doesn't mean it didn't happen, but five months in between her death and the autopsy would make it difficult to find. Tony Lee was the one that had to break the news to Kenya's mother, Marie, and siblings, Kimberly and Anthony. The kind of news that no one would want to serve, even to their worst enemy. I cannot imagine the day Kenya's family and friends learned Kenya was deceased. It was the day where their world stopped turning. 
the beginning of a new life, one that didn't involve Kenya, one that would never be the same, one that would always be missing her. I believe when tragedy like this happens, you change. You don't trust as easily. You see the world through a different pair of goggles, a world that isn't as kind, fair, or even safe. My heart truly goes out to Kenya's family, friends, and loved ones. Kimberly, Kenya's younger sister, who is now a mother herself, stated, it's broken our family. This could mean more than one thing in terms of broken, the biggest being Tony and Maria ended their marriage. It seems so common among couples who lose a child, but I was shocked to find out the divorce rate after the death of a child is only 16%. Still, a tragedy in itself. Kimberly had corresponded with Travis Forbes from jail in letter form. Summed up in these letters, Travis wrote, quote, Kenya didn't deserve what happened. Seemed like a great person, end quote. You are absolutely right, Travis. Kenya didn't deserve what happened to her. What angers me most about this statement is how he threw in she seemed like a great person. You knew this girl a total of a few hours, if that, before you raped and murdered her. She seemed like a great person. A great person to murder and bury five feet underground. This statement from him, and I have no PhD, but this sounds like a narcissist. An extreme case of a sociopath. He also wrote, quote, I'm evil. I'm a dark person. He doesn't know why he did it. In Travis's confession, he hinted he may have killed other women prior to Kenya. Even saying, quote, the world would be horrified to learn his secrets. Kenya Monhe's spirit still lives on. Her family created the Kenya Monhe Foundation, which is a memorial to educate women about safety and awareness, as well as help families of missing victims with financial and emotional support. Tony Lee states, quote, I want the brutality to be out there as a learning tool. I want women to know that this could happen to you. Travis Forbes is serving life plus 48 years with no possibility of parole. His new home is in Cannon City at the Colorado State Penitentiary, which houses the state of Colorado's most violent, dangerous, and disruptive offenders. In episode one, we talked about Lydia Tillman, another victim of Travis Forbes. She was brutally beaten, raped, and had jumped from her two-story apartment to survive. She miraculously recovered. In her own words, she said she survived because she wanted to live. Not only is Lydia's recovery amazing, but so is her ability to forgive. Lydia found it within herself to be able to forgive Travis for not only what he had done to her, but how he has affected the entire rest of her life. She forgave Travis herself in a letter that she read to him at his conviction for attempted murder. Quote, Travis Forbes, you caused me no harm. My spirit, my soul, 
and my mind remain untouched. May you find peace in this life, end quote. If you want to hear more of Lydia's story and her miraculous recovery, I'm going to be linking a YouTube video in the show notes when I watched Lydia stand in front of a packed room to tell her story, I bawled. She is such an inspiration. She carries herself with such pride and grace. She is so down to earth and humble and she refuses to live her life as a victim of Travis Forbes. Lydia's speech has been impacted. She speaks very well, but not as quickly. It took Lydia over an hour to compose three sentences at Travis's sentencing. Quote, it was my intention to find strength in my heart to forgive Travis Forbes. I did. End quote. She is now able to run several miles a day, and she participates in yoga classes. And in case you were wondering, her dad that had been diagnosed with cancer, he's okay too. Who is Travis Forbes? How did he become such a monster? What made him tick? And what made him snap? His past criminal record included assault, trespassing, theft, and harassment. By the age of 17, Travis had broken into 16 businesses and homes in Fort Collins, stealing more than $15,000 worth of money and merchandise. In 2004, Travis had even been charged with assault for flinging rocks at two women joggers. But even after the long list of criminal offenses stacked up, Travis's grandmother, Jenny Forbes, told CBS4 she believed police had the wrong guy. In Jenny's words, quote, I don't think he's the man. I don't know what evidence the police have, they won't tell us. But from what I saw Tuesday morning, I just don't imagine Travis being involved in this crime. End quote. The crime Jenny is referring to is that of Lydia Tillman, the day after her brutal assault, January 5th, 2011. Jenny claimed Travis was at her house that 4th of July, 2011, helping prepare the food for the cookout. He seemed normal. Jenny claimed the apartment fire was reported burning at 5.30 a.m., but Travis was asleep on the couch at 6 a.m. She then seen Travis at 9 a.m., and did not see any evidence he had been involved in anything traumatic, such as committing a violent crime. There were no apparent struggle or defensive wounds, no marks on his arms or face. In fact, Travis proceeded to help his grandmother paint on that July 5th, and looked well-rested, nor agitated. So, I wanted to debunk this theory, even though the police have already done so, and connected Travis and sentenced him with this crime. From where the apartment fire took place to the address Grandma Jenny was living at, at the time, is only 5.1 miles or 11 minutes away. So, even if Jenny's timeline is correct and the fire was reported at 5.30 a.m., Travis still would have made it back in 11 minutes, allowing time to appear or actually be asleep by 6 a.m., with 21 minutes to spare. Remember, in my first episode, I mentioned the apartment complex neighbors reported hearing a muffled scream, heavy footsteps, a car start, 
and drive away by 4.30 a.m. Only a short while later was when they were alerted of the fire. I'm not sure exactly what a short while later is. It could be minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. But if the car drove off at 4.30 a.m., then Travis had an hour and a half to drive back, shower, change his clothes, and even tuck himself into bed by 6 a.m. Something else I found interesting while researching this case is several days after the fire, tenants of the apartment complex described a man remarkably similar to Forbes lurking around the crime scene with a clipboard. Once he noticed he had been spotted, he hid his face and left. It is very common for offenders to return to the scene of the crime to in some way satisfy their sick imagination to see how much damage they have caused. Switching gears. Now, in other words, Monica Poole, the owner of Debbie's Bakery, who rented the kitchen space for two years to Travis, who made granola there, had a vastly different judgment of Travis. Monica described him as being a charming, manipulative man, a compulsive and convincing liar. Monica stated, he struck me as the kind of person who would lie, even if it were better to tell the truth. Because he lied so much, he didn't know how not to lie. Travis had even told Monica his mom had advanced breast cancer and had to care for her. He lied about owning his own home and about being honorably discharged from the Marines. He had claimed he killed a citizen in Afghanistan and refused a second tour all of which was untrue. Monica stated Travis had a violent temper, once went into a rage over his cooler being stolen that he had left outside overnight. Travis caused quite the scene outside of the bakery for all surrounding businesses and pedestrians to witness. He was punching his van and began screaming. Not only was Travis a liar, but he was a thief. Monica stated Travis repeatedly stole money from her crash register until she threatened to call the police. However, the night Kenya disappeared, Travis had stolen money from the cash register one last time. I did some more research to come up with a little better layout for you of the night Kenya disappeared. The club Kenya was at was 10 miles in distance to the bakery Travis worked at. The apartment complex Kenya was last seen on security footage is approximately nine miles from the bakery, give or take which route Travis drove. The bakery to the burial site off County Road 53 and I-76 in Keensburg is 47 miles away. The underlying reason for covering this case and similar cases is not because I'm a podcaster. It's not only because I've driven past Kenya's burial site but because I think there is a deeper message and lesson to be learned here. To all of my female listeners, and even males too, always remember to be aware of your surroundings. Plan ahead if you're going out drinking. Plan your safe ride home. Never leave alone. Always have someone accompanying you. There are so many safety apps that you can download nowadays to track your whereabouts and have access to law enforcement if needed. A huge responsibility of drinking is drinking safely. Being aware of 
when enough is enough, when you are past that point of being in control, knowing when you are incapable of driving, walking, or finding a safe ride home. The sad truth is there are sick and evil people preying on innocent, helpless victims. Don't be an easy target. Always remember this episode. Always remember Kenya Monhe. Thank you for listening, my lovely listeners. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Even you, Mr. One Star Reader. I know you are still listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pocketful of Crime. I post additional content on those pages. Join my Pocketful of Crime Sleuth group over on Facebook and join me in discussion of future and past cases covered. My Patreon is activated starting at only $3 a month. You can gain access to an additional exclusive episode each month, private Facebook VIP group where I will host giveaways, sneak peek previews, personal interaction, and live video chats. Link will be down below. You can also click on my Anchor support link to support this podcast however you can. Until next time, stay weird, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Happy Mother's Day to all of you amazing mothers, but especially mine. Hi, Mom. Mm-hmm.